I'm Katie McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. When we light our Advent candles at our kitchen table in the evening, we've done this for a couple of years now, we try to sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I I use the word try, it's doing a lot of heavy lifting in this intro. I can't carry a tune to save my life. I work in radio, I do not work in the world of singing. And my children think they can carry a tune. They try real hard. And my husband has a beautiful voice. He canters, he's sung for years, took vocal lessons in college, very talented. So he sings, uh, he leads us, he, he sings the refrain and we try to respond. And we get to the part, rejoice, rejoice. I'm not going to sing for you. Emmanuel. And the words are, shall come to thee. You are probably humming it to yourself. Oh, Israel. So we're singing it the other night. We light the candle and... We're at that point and he's belting rejoice. Like he's like going all in. And so is my daughter Rose, who also does theater, I should add. So she's like full on like theater performance rejoice. And Claire and I and my my three-year-old and I are the introverts in the family. We're sitting there and we're kind of like mumbling the words and singing softly because I don't want to throw the whole thing off. It's It's a very nice family moment. And I think to myself, this is liturgical living. This is Advent. We are preparing our hearts. And we get to that, shall come to thee. And Claire, who was mumbling, singing with me, she all of a sudden, she puffs her chest up and she goes, oh, Israel, and like growls, sings it. And I'm like, it's Israel. And she went, no, it's Israel. And I'm like, well, who, who's, what, who's Israel? And she said, Jesus is, it's, it's, his Israel. It's Israel. And I'm thinking, my goodness, I need to go double check the curriculum at the Catholic school. And she's adamant. And so my six-year-old realizes this battle is about to unfold, like trying to explain it's Israel, not Israel. And she said, well, mommy, could it be that the the saints are, it's it's their Israel. It's it's this Rael. And I, now we're all like trying to figure out what a different title. It made no sense. It's probably not even as amusing to you as it was to me at the time. As I realized, you know, kids will hear what they want to hear. Israel, Israel, Israel in general. How many times can we say it in the intro to a podcast? It killed the moment. We did not sing the rest of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, and in the process, I think a candle might have tipped over and nearly burned the the tablecloth. The point being, we tried. We liturgically lived as best we could, confused everybody by explaining Israel, this Israel, Israel. And I was kind of chuckling later that evening as I went to go grab my second week of Advent pages for this Prepare Your Heart journal from Father Agostino Torres and and laughed and was like, oh, it is it is this Israel, their Israel. It's the way of the saints this week. It's talking about holy men and women who have walked this journey rejoicing in Emmanuel, God coming into our world, rejoicing in the fact that we have a Savior that we can welcome. That's the beauty of that song, right? Rejoice, rejoice, because Emmanuel is coming. And saints live their lives knowing that. That's what a saint is, a person who has recognized God is real, Jesus loves me, and I'm going to live my life for him. And nothing else 
matters as much as that. And we can be very tempted in the season of Advent to become very busy with the things that we have to take care of. We can become very tempted in the season of Advent to try to cram in all of these liturgical living traditions. We can become very tempted in the season of Advent to just kind of shove it off to the side. Oh, we'll do the very bare minimum, but it's really ultimately, you know, just Santa down the chimney and Jesus in the manger that I care about. But if we walk the way of the saints, like Father Agostino is encouraging us to this week, we actually do stop and realize he's coming to this Israel, 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 he's coming to us. And we should live our lives like we not only know that, but as if that matters more than anything else. I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about that with than my dear friend, Meg Hunter-Kilmer. Meg and I have known each other for years. She stayed at my house. My children adore her. She's written tons of books about the saints, about sacred scripture. She's incredibly talented, incredibly gifted. You should bring her into your parish and diocese to speak. And anytime we get to have her on the podcast, I'm just tickled because, you know, she's a dear friend, so I get to visit with a friend. This is what I like to do with podcasts. I'm just going to talk to my friends and you're going to get to listen. But this one is particularly special because Meg knows how to tell us the stories of the saints. And what Father has done this week in Prepare Your Heart, he really does walk us through this idea that if we look at what makes the saints holy, we realize that they've responded to God. And it begs the question, well, how can I respond to God? And as you walk through Prepare Your Heart this week, and think about these holy men and women that Father introduces us to as you listen to this podcast and you hear the stories of some other saints that Meg is going to introduce us to, you'll realize that every single one of us has a story of holiness, unique and specific to us, a story of holiness that will invite us into responding to Jesus's invitation. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. As always, this series is part of Ave Explores. And we're walking through Prepare Your Heart by Father Agostino Torres with beautiful illustrations from Valerie Delgado. You should absolutely grab a copy of this from Ave Maria Press's website, AveMariaPress.com. We have a link down in the show notes. You still have plenty to go. You should grab a copy or a digital copy if you if you want to read it on a Kindle. It just is such a great book to walk through the season of Advent to prepare our hearts Maybe when you sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel at your dinner table, you can think about the holy men and women who have done this long before, and maybe we'll be counted among those saints someday ourselves. For right now, we'd love it if you'd sit back and enjoy this conversation with Meg Hunter-Kilmer about the way of the saints in the season of Advent. Meg Hunter-Kilmer, it's great to see you. Welcome back to Ave Explorers. Katie, I am always so delighted to talk with you. When we were making our list of people and we said, okay, well, second week of Advent is how do we enter into Advent with holy men and women? There was no question who we wanted to talk to. Uh, Tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of your specialty, your area of expertise, the books you've written for Ave and for other folks. Introduce yourself. So I am a missionary. I live out of my car, drive around the country, fly around the world, telling people how much God loves them. So it has been 11 and a half years on the road. 50 states, 25 countries. I've driven like, I don't know, 375,000 miles, something ridiculous like that. Um, And mostly I just love Jesus and I want people to know Jesus and I want them to read scripture and I want them to learn how to pray. And I have found that the saints are a really powerful way of drawing people into the heart of Jesus. Mm. First of all, because when you tell a saint story well, people just want to listen. They don't necessarily want me to sit down and explain transubstantiation to them, though I would love to. 
They don't necessarily want me to be like, okay, well, Ezekiel was the first prophet called outside the Holy Land. You know, people, they can get their hackles up when they feel like they're being taught, but they will listen <laughs> to stories, right? That's a and great so, phrase, get their yeah. hackles up. <laughs> and so I, I started to learn these stories and to realize that it wasn't just that the stories are interesting and so you can like sneaky tell people about Jesus. It's that these stories are about Jesus, right? Every story of every saint is talking about what it is to run after Jesus in those particular circumstances. And I feel like in evangelization, we spend so much time trying to get to the heart of what makes people feel like they're ineligible for God's love. Mm. And with the saints, you can kind of skip past that that need for people to be willing to bear that brokenness. And you can say, well, I don't know what your story is, but here's somebody who was dealing with addiction and is a canonized saint. Mm -hmm. And here's somebody with an intellectual disability who's a canonized saint. And here's somebody whose parents were divorced who's a canonized saint. And you really are, are taking somebody's brokenness and saying not just, oh, well, Jesus loves you, like bumper sticker style evangelization, but like really, like concretely, I'm not just being nice. I don't just have to say this. Like we have put a halo on this part of your life that makes you feel like God could never want you. So I just need you to know that's a lie. Mm -hmm. And for people to hear that, to hear over and again, it is possible for you to be radiantly holy in your circumstances is just this incredibly compelling thing. And I get to watch people again and again, move to tears by these stories mm -hmm. Because they really, some of them for the first time, are believing that that Jesus loves them in like a, a radical and particular way. And that can be life transforming. Mm. You telling saint stories has had a massive impact on my life and especially on my children's lives. I mean, Rose sleeps with saint dolls because of stories you've told our family when you've come and visited. Uh, sometimes She's a little obsessed with saints who went to jail. That is a, a common <laughs> point of conversation that we've had to have with her. Like, that should not be the pursuit of your holiness necessarily. But God can still do something in that. What drew you to that? I mean, yes, there's like this sneaky evangelization. Like, less, you realize, like, well, this works. Like, let's do more of this. But on the personal side, you love doing this. Like, you love telling these stories. How has it impacted your own journey as a missionary, your own spirituality, your own prayer life? I think that... There are saints who I love because they're my friends and there are saints who I love because they're effective <laughs> and, and it's not always the same saints. And, and I don't mean to say effective in any like dismissive way, right? Like I am not personal friends with St. Agatha Kim Agi, who's an intellectually disabled Korean woman. Every time I tell her story, people are moved to tears mm. every time. And, and usually it's people who are like really particularly intelligent, right? So Agatha Kimagi couldn't learn the creed. She couldn't learn the Our Father. She couldn't learn the Hail Mary. All she knew was Jesus and Mary. And so the church wouldn't baptize her because they had a malformed understanding of baptism. They sent her away, but she was arrested for being a Christian. And when they asked her to deny Jesus, she said, I only know Jesus and Mary. Mm. And when they asked her where the Christians were hiding, she said, I only know Jesus and Mary. And when they brutalized her, she just cried out, Jesus, Mary. And when they threw her in prison, the Christians there bowed before her and said, here is Agatha who only knows Jesus and Mary. Mm -hmm. And her great shame had become her crowning glory. And when I first heard this story, I was like, how encouraging 
for people with intellectual disabilities. And I tell this story in rooms full of PhDs and people (laughs) break down weeping because there's something about Agatha that touches some element of their life, some part of their story that makes them feel like the church doesn't want them, like God doesn't want them and shows them that that is is the exact way that God is going to make them holy, right? So there's there's that element of getting to watch people have this experience. And then on the other side, there are saints who I'm like, well, you're just my best friend. And some of them are good stories. And some of them, like St. Barnabas is my best, best, best friend. <laughs> and I never tell the story of St. Barnabas ever. Like it's not, it's not a great story. It's not one where I like know all of the secret information and I get to be the special one who like figured this out. Like he's an He's an obligatory memorial on the liturgical calendar, Katie. Like, <laughs> you don't get more mainstream than Barnabas. Um, <laughs> but, like, he loves me. Yeah. He loves me. And he was really the first saint that I had a sense of the particularity of the love. You know, like, Barnabas is great because he was Paul's best friend. And I'm a lot like Paul, right? Like, we have the same life. We have the same personality. I also think you should write, you stupid Galatians, and get it put in scripture for the rest of time, you know, like some people just need to be told. And Barnabas put up with Paul. And so that's kind of how it all started. But the more, the more attached I got to him, the more I saw Barnabas as just this witness of reckless love, Mm. right? Like he was the one when Paul had this conversion, everyone was like, do you think we're stupid? You're obviously going to murder us like Trojan horse much. And Barnabas was like, yeah, maybe, maybe he's going to murder us, but it's worth it. It's worth the risk. Like I I will not allow somebody to feel rejected by the church. And he was that way over and over again. He was that way with the apost- with the evangelist Mark when Paul was like, you betrayed us once. We don't want anything to do with you. Barnabas was like, well, yeah, maybe. But like, I want to be the person who loves in a reckless way. And I want to risk my life to make sure that people feel included in the church, to make sure that they feel welcome, right? And so I started to develop this, this love of St. Barnabas. And then one day, it was his feast day, I think 2018. I was in a chapel and making my holy hour. And I was like, oh yeah, happy feast day, St. Barnabas. And I was just flooded by the reality of his love for me. And Katie, I just began to weep. I have never in my life felt that loved by anyone but God himself. Mm-hmm. And I was just like bawling in this chapel and had this realization that, that like that love is particular to me. You know, like, like he might not be that into you, right? There are saints who you're going to get to heaven and like, I'm going to get there and they're going to be like, oh, hey, Meg, and you're going to get there and they're going to knock Mother Teresa down so they can get to you, you know? Like (laughs) there is this particularity to the friendship and that was Mm. so striking to me that the communion of saints isn't like this vague general sense of we all like each other, but like Mm. it's real people with real relationships. And so getting to tell those stories and help people to develop those relationships that up to that point had been so one-sided, right? Mm-hmm. Here is saints who have loved you since before you were born and I get to help you love them back is is so exciting. And I think it's because of St. Barnabas. There's no real reason for this relationship. Mm. It's just that he loves me, that it became not just these are great stories, but like these are real friends who I need sitting beside me and, and turning my face back toward Jesus when I want to get sucked into my pity party. And Barnabas is like, yes, I know. It's really hard. And it's really not fair. And God is still good. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Like, mm-hmm. Eyes back on Jesus. It sounds like there's a, a familiarity in that friendship. Like, how does a person build that with a particular 
saint? Is it trial and error? Is it, okay, well, I've chosen you, Therese. Like, you're going to be my friend. Like, or is it a, they kind of find you. I, I have a friend who often calls St. Therese her stalker because she like oh, yeah. pops into her life and she's like, I don't want you around. Everybody likes you. And and yet this saint just kind of consistently shows her this kindness. How, how do you build that familiarity? I've had multiple people who will come up to me and say, so is it possible for a saint to like come after you? And every time I go, oh, Therese. And they yeah. look at me and I'm like, she, I'm sorry. Like when she, Therese says, I choose all, like she really did choose she all. She's the golden she's like, retriever of saints. Like she yeah, will come she, after you constantly. Yes. Yeah, she's not playing games. You don't need to choose Therese. Like Therese will choose <laughs> She'll you. Find it's you. okay. You can go find another saint. Therese, if Therese needs to be your best friend, like she will make that clear. You know, I think it's different for different people. Um, I'm one where like, I love the story element, right? And like, mm. what's the connection and why why does this person resonate with me? And usually for me, it's here are the things that I have in common with them. Sometimes it's, gosh, this saint is nothing at all like me. And I really need, I need a relationship with a saint who has that element, right? Like I, I was never into St. Joseph of Cupertino because like, you know, he was not very intelligent and I am, okay? And he was bad at test taking and I will take standardized tests for fun. And he was like awkward and I'm very social and he's very humble and prayerful and I am not those things as evidenced by my list leading up to this. Uh, and <laughs> and so I was like, just not, I was not a Joseph Cupertino girl. Like other people mm -hmm. love him, that's great for them. But I was on his pilgrimage and I went and visited him and I was just like so overwhelmed by how like I need saints who are naturally humble, not just saints who are naturally proud, who worked at humility to show me how to work at it, but also saints to aspire to and saints who are naturally that sweet and pious. And I, uh, I end up like, I'm walking out of this church and I see this priest and my whole group had left. And he was like, Oh no, your group left. And I was like, Oh no, it's okay. I'm meeting them. And he was, he looks at me, he says, what were you doing down there? Like the answer was praying, but people get confused by praying in church. I don't know. Um, and, and I looked at him and I just started to bawl. And I was like, he's, he's my friend. And I didn't know he was my friend. And, and he's so humble and I'm not humble. And this, this little Italian Franciscan, I don't think he was a priest because he was very uncomfortable with my tears. So I think that he doesn't spend a lot of time in the confessional. He, he goes, you're humble. And I was like, I'm not humble. And he was like, you're humble, you're humble. And I'm just like bawling in the church. And he looks at me and goes, would you like some relics? And I, my eyes got so wide and I was like, uh-huh. And he's like, and, and books? And I was like, yes, yes, I would like those. So I'm not saying you should weaponize your tears to steal relics <laughs> and books from religious, but I am saying that it works, Katie. <laughs> I need to go back to uh, Santa Cecilia and Tristevere and start crying around some relics yeah, exactly. and see what happens. Yeah. So I think sometimes... It's a saint who you really aspire to be like. Sometimes it's a saint who really does connect with you, right? You've got similar life experiences. Um, sometimes it's really random. And my inclination is to say, like, don't just, like, pick your saint that you pick, right? Like, go and do the research and find the person. And people will come to me and be like, well, I think for my confirmation saint, I'm going to pick. And they'll they'll tell me someone dumb, like, all of the saints are great, right? All of the saints are great and they have great stories, but there's often like not a great reason behind it. You know, mm -hmm. they're like, he's the patron saint of athletes. And I'm like, he never played a sport. Would you like a saint who was an athlete? Um, <laughs> he just got shot by arrows. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. I was talking to this girl once and she's like, I'm going to pick St. Jude. And St. Jude is one of these like mm -hmm. 
you know, he shows up on the candles. He's in all of the churches. Like, why are you picking him? And I was like, oh, okay. Like, why are you picking St. Jude? And she was like, I just love him. And I was like, done. Awesome. Great. Good you know, this is like, and and then I felt like an idiot because I was like, here I am denigrating like one of the 12 apostles. Like, seriously, Meg, you think she could be better than an apostle? Whatever. But sometimes it really is just that I don't know why. Like, I just love him. Like, I, I saw a picture of St. Charles de Foucault and was like, that's my guy. Yeah. Like, I just, just from the strength of the photograph, that's my guy. Mm. I, and I did the research into a story and I was like, yes, this is really my guy. Like, dang. But sometimes there isn't that, that obvious connection, that, like, mm-hmm. area where you can say, oh, well, this is why. Sometimes, like, it's just someone you love. So if you're looking for a saint friend, I would recommend reading books about saints, right? Like especially sort of a scattershot approach where like here's 50 stories Mm -hmm. of saints and you can see if any of them resonate. Looking at pictures of saints, you can go on, is it January Jane who has the Polaroids? Yeah. Yeah. And you can look at some of the photographs of the saints. I mean, you can look at your birthday or your wedding anniversary and see if any of those names jump out at you, but it doesn't have to be a a stressful commitment, right? Like you can have saints for certain seasons. And so mm. when you're looking for your, your saint friend, you're just like, well, who wants to be my buddy right now? You know, and people, I think, especially with confirmation saints are like, well, I've got to pick the right one. And I'm like, yeah. you're just starting a crew. That's all you're doing is you're starting <laughs> a crew. And you can have a lot of people in your crew. And the one that you pick for your confirmation saint doesn't have to be your best friend. Like, yeah. it's okay. Like this is the friendship of the saints is something that that grows and that multiplies. It's not an exclusive thing. Um, yeah. So if if you're out there, if you're listening to this and you're like, gee, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to have a saint friend. Like, just kind of expose yourself to mm-hmm. some of these saints. And I think especially the lesser known ones, not just because those are my people, but because you've probably already seen pictures of Therese and Padre Pio. Mm-hmm. And if that didn't grab you then, like, maybe there's somebody else who's really trying to become friends with you, right? Pilgrimage is a really powerful way, especially if you're not in the United States. We don't have as many pilgrimage spots. Uh, But going on pilgrimage, one of my very best friends, probably my third best saint friend right now is St. Leopold Mondich. And I met him by accident because I was going to Padua and I was like, there's got to be more saints than just Anthony. It's Italy, right? (laughs) And I like ran into this saint and all I knew about him was that he was short. He's four foot five though. So that's like a pretty significant element of his life. All I knew was that he was short. And then I met him and I learned his story. And I was like, oh my gosh, this might be the most important saint story I've ever heard. Like, mm. and I pray with him probably more than anybody. And I tell his story like to myself and to other people when I'm at my most broken. I'm like, okay, but I know what it looks like to keep following Jesus when every prayer goes unanswered because I have mm. seen it in Leopold Mandich. And he sits next to me and he says, it is not okay. What you're going through is not okay, but God is still good. Like, what does it look like for you to love him when he doesn't even say no to your prayers? He just doesn't say anything because that's <laughs> that's the story of Leopold Mondage, right? Mm-hmm. And the the hope that that gives is just so compelling. And it's all because like mass was at a good time at his shrine in Padua one day. Mm. I love the present tense too. I met him. I didn't like, you know, read his story. I didn't just pray in front of his relics. Like I met him. My good friend, Father Patrick Mary Briscoe, I, I said, I have I have one thing that I need you to do when you meet Blessed Carlo's mom. And I just need you to ask her one question so I can confirm something to my children. And I said, I need you to ask her, this is going to sound so stupid, but I need you to ask her if Carlo saw Shrek. And he was like, okay. 
So he texted me and he said she didn't know who Shrek was. But then I showed her a picture on my phone and she nodded and she said, I think we saw that. And see, the reason is we have one of those Polaroid photos from the January Jane shop in our house of Carlo because Carlo and I would have I like to imagine that we would have met at the pre-synod. Had he lived, he would have been a young person who would have been invited to the pre-synod gathering in 2018 to talk about young people in the church. And so I always kind of like to imagine, like, Carlo and I might have met someday because of the trajectory that his life was on. So he's my buddy. And Rose was like, she she was like, who is this? Per- is this a cousin? And I was like, well, uh, not not a cousin. Like, you know, let's like try to put it in some sort of, of tangible way. And she was like, well, did he die? Yeah, he died. Like Maria Goretti? No, not like Maria Goretti. Did he chop his hair off? No, not like Rose of Lima. Like she goes to like all these little saint details that she's seen. In did he go videos. to jail? Did he go to jail? She didn't ask that. I think because <laughs> he was a kid. And so like she didn't yeah. understand. Um, but I said, Carlo, Carlo and I are kind of the same age. Like Carlo would have been alive the same time I was alive. I am alive. And I said, so Carlo would have seen like movies that I saw when I was a kid. Like Carlo probably saw Shrek. And I said it just like that. And she was like, well, can we watch Shrek? Because Carlo watched Shrek. And so now anytime we watch Shrek and there's like four Shreks and a holiday special, there's a lot of Shrek availability. She immediately says, oh, blessed Carlo liked Shrek. Like she just immediately made that connection. And so it's like this little friend of mine in heaven that I chuckle when I think about he saw Spider-Man. Uh, he dressed mm-hmm. up like Spider-Man, right? Like he would have maybe seen Shrek and like his mother confirmed to Blessed Carlo that like, yeah, I think we saw that movie. And like, even if it's just, a, I think we saw that movie, I believe it. Like, I believe that he saw the same movie I saw in the early 2000s. And there's a familiarity in that regard. I love the present tense that you're using. I love that this is something that we can develop in this friendship. How in the season of Advent are you maybe, like, are we maybe more disposed to even pay attention to the saints because of this season of preparation. Like we can do this any time of the year, but for some reason, these particular months of the year, we're all being maybe a little more intentional in our anticipation of Jesus's arrival. Is this kind of the perfect time, the beginning of the new liturgical year to say, okay, this is going to be my year of the saints. This is going to be my year where I do this and I, I get to know these people. Well, I think with Advent in particular, we're all disposed to looking at how other people went to Jesus. Right? Like we're thinking about the shepherds and we're thinking about the magi and we're thinking about the innkeeper and we're wondering about the mothers of the other little boys in Bethlehem who ended up being slaughtered. And we're thinking about Joseph worrying about taking care of Jesus. And we're seeing ourselves in all of those people, right? My niece Lucy is four and she loves praying a being with Jesus prayer. It's a little Ignatian meditation that I lead her through various different topics, but she especially loves it at Christmas because at Christmas, she is a shepherd girl. And at Christmas, she hears the angels and she sees the star and she takes her family with her to Jesus. And it's like, it's so tangible for her. Mm -hmm. She's like, and dad and St. Joseph are talking about sheep. And I'm like, (laughs) great. And she's like, they're talking all about sheep. And I'm like, okay, right. But what about Jesus, right? Baby Jesus over in the manger. Uh, But I think all of us are really naturally interested in imagining ourselves going to Jesus. And that's the whole point Mm. of the stories of the saints is for us to look at the saints and say, okay, well, this is what, this is the way that you ran after Jesus. This is the way that you kept your eyes fixed on Jesus. What does that mean 
for my life, mm-hmm. right? If I'm a Carlo Acutis, what does that mean for the way that I use technology? If I'm a Blessed Agatha or St. Agatha Kim Agi, what does that mean for the way that I embrace my limitations and I accept that Jesus made me on purpose the way that he wants me and that I'm not an accident and I'm not a mistake? And I think at, at Christmas, during the Advent season and through Christmas, it's easy for us to imagine ourselves in the lives of these ancient saints from the time of Jesus. But then we look also at the more recent saints and it helps us to see, okay, well, had I been a shepherd 2000 years ago, this is what it looks like. But because I'm an accountant now, this is what it could look like, right? Let me mm-hmm. let me find a saint who was a pharmacist like I'm a pharmacist. Let me find a saint who was a mother of a million children or a mother of only one child or who was longing to have children and wasn't able to conceive. Let me see what holiness looks like in their lives. And let me go with them to Jesus in Bethlehem Mm -hmm. and, and run after Jesus the way that they ran after Jesus so that I can see what it looks like for me to run after Jesus. Oh man, we could keep going, Meg. And, uh, you have incredible resources out there for folks to do this. Can you tell us a little bit about the myriad books that you've written to help people dive into scripture, to help people dive into the stories of the saints? So I've got three books out at this point. Um, one is on scripture. It's a Bible journal. So as we're coming up from the liturgical new year and then the calendar new year, uh, this is a great approach. It, t- it takes you through reading all of scripture in a year and the gospels twice. It's a different schedule from Father Mike's Bible in a year. So you can try a different way if you've already done that. But it's a journal that's got a reflection on one of the readings every day and then space for you to journal so that it's showing you a lot of different ways to meditate on scripture. When you're reading really sticky parts, really parts that drag. It's like, okay, well, here's one way that you can look at this that can keep you invested, keep you praying. Or sometimes the reflection is, this is really hard. This is really hard and this makes you uncomfortable and it should. Mm -hmm. It should be something that you have to wrestle with. That's a good thing. Um, So I've found that really helpful. It uses the schedule that I've used for the last eight years. Uh, We've got three readings every day. So when you're reading Leviticus, you're also reading Luke. And you're like, I just need to get through three chapters of Leviticus, and then I get to read a psalm. It's going to be okay. My other two books are on saints. So Saints Around the World is an international saint storybook for children. It tells 100 stories of saints from 70 different countries, most of whom you've never heard of, uh, although you've heard of them all because I'm sure Rose has made you read them. (laughs) Every night. (laughs) Every night. Love it. And then Pray for Us is 75 saints who sinned, suffered, and struggled on their way to holiness. So it's lots of saints that you don't know, more than half Black, Indigenous, and people of color because the church is more than half Black, Indigenous, and people of color. Just really trying to highlight some of the struggles and the brokenness and the, the everyday ordinariness of these saints so that we begin to see that holiness is possible in our lives, that we develop these friendships that really are drawing us on to Jesus. And we'll put links down to all of those in the show notes. We're wrapping up every episode this Advent season by asking you to tell us maybe one of your favorite Advent traditions. We just did a whole season on liturgical living, and so people might be listening to this thinking, okay, I want to incorporate more of this or that in my life. So what is one of your favorite traditions in the Advent season getting ready for Christmas? You know, it's funny, Katie, because I am not a novena girl, like not a novena (laughs) girl. Every once in a while, out of a sense of like real obligation, I'm like, all right, fine. But I I don't tend to find memorized prayers terrifically helpful in my own spiritual life. Like for me, I need to make a lot of space for silence and stillness. But man, the St. Andrew Christmas Mm -hmm. novena all day, every day, like I love it so much. And I don't, so for those who don't know it, it's um, an 
Novena is a funny word for it because the word, the number nine doesn't appear anywhere. Right. <laughs> uh, it's from uh, the Feast of St. Andrew, with, which is November 30th until Christmas. And it's 15 times a day. So again, zero nines. Um, but it's just this really short prayer. Uh, Hail and blessed be the hour and moment in which the Son of God was born at midnight of the most blessed Virgin Mary at midnight in Bethlehem in piercing cold. And that hour vouchsafe, O oh my God, to hear my prayer and grant my desires through the same Christ our Lord. That's probably close, but it's not, it's not uh, Advent yet. So I'm not up on it. I don't count. I don't count how many times I do it. Mm -hmm. I make it my lock screen on my phone. And just when there's a moment, mm -hmm. I pray that prayer. And what I love about it is that, you know, probably 30 times a day, my attention just gets pulled back to midnight in Bethlehem in piercing cold. And there's something mm -hmm. about the cadence to it that just slows down my breathing and pulls me back in to the real meaning of literally everything in the history of the world, mm -hmm. which is that child in that manger. And, you know, Advent is such a crazy time. Everybody's so busy. You've got so much going on and there's parties and there's baking and there's shopping and like preaching three parish missions a week, right? Like you and I are absurdly busy <laughs> during Advent. Um, and that is just like, okay, I'm waiting in line at the grocery store to buy everything that I need for green bean casserole. And I'm like, hail and blessed be the hour and moment mm -hmm. in which the son of God was born, right? Just like mm -hmm. this, this deep breath and like, and I close my eyes and it's dark, right? And it's, and I'm there at the manger and there's stars and it like, I just, I love it. And it's, I think especially good for me because it's so contrary to my general <laughs> approach to everything where Jesus is like, just baby, I don't need a three hour prayer marathon right now. Like I need 10 seconds at the grocery give store. Me, give me this you, moment. Yeah. You don't have to win this, Meg. You don't have to win this. <laughs> don't even count. Just, just take a beat. Yeah. We have a print of that prayer that we hang in the kitchen. And so, you know, we're, we're walking through the kitchen a dozen times a day and we just kind of all stop and we'll say it. Um, Rose for a little while thought that was the Angelus during Advent. She was like, well, the Angelus changes to this. I was like, I'm really glad that you know what the Angelus is because you all pray it at school. <laughs> but it doesn't change. Like you can still do that. <laughs> and this like this is just uh -huh. like a bonus. This is just an add on. So I think this year at their school, they're planning on doing that. Um, a, a few a few top of the hours. I don't think they're going to do it every hour of the day because, you know, the kids might eventually, <laughs> eventually revolt. But you can find a way to slowly inquire. We do the hurricane prayer constantly. So I guess we can do the, <laughs> the Andrew Novena. Um, Meg, where can folks follow you? Where can they find you on social media and all that good stuff? Easiest thing to do is Google Hobo for Christ. And you'll find my website. I've got a podcast that I forget about for years at a time. Um, <laughs> I'm really good on Instagram. I'm okay on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I don't know. I think I have a TikTok that I shared two things too, but one of them is a really cool story about a saint and a hippo. So you can you can go check that one out on TikTok. You know, can't complain. I actually, I have a sticker I need to mail you. Um, the Catholic high school in town does, they have saint houses. Uh, and one of them is St. Augustine, although they say it's St. Augustine and it kind of drives Oof. me crazy. Yeah, I know. It cringes every time. But a friend of ours, I don't know if you know Nicole Anthier uh, and Nicole Anthier Art, her daughter mm -hmm. designed a sticker of a hippo with a bishop's miter. 
and a flaming heart on the butt. And it is like the greatest saint, like inside baseball. Tommy stuck it on the back of his phone right away. He was like, Sophia, I need this. I need this in my life. So I have it. This is amazing. Set aside for you for when you visit uh, that you get the, and it's sparkly. It also has glitter. So it's like, it's right up your alley. You need to put it on the back of the car next to the monstrance, right? Like glittery hippo. (laughs) So Meg, thanks so much for taking the time. Yes, always enjoy Katie. It's always great to chat with Meg. Like I said, she's a friend. So it's it's great when we turn the recording off and we just get to catch up as pals. One of the things, you know, Meg has shared with me over the years, and she's said this in other podcasts before, is that, you know, we each have to find our path. We each have to find our route to holiness. Mine's not going to look like Meg's. Meg's is not going to look like my husband's. My daughter's is not going to look like mine. We walk that road together, though. We're on the path. We're on the journey. It's going to be different for every single one of us, but we can look to our right. We can look to our left, look ahead, look behind and see other people who are journeying as well and find comfort in their example, find comfort in the model that they offer to us. And that's really what I think Father Agostino was encouraging us to ponder in this second week of prepare your heart. What does your intentional response to God look like? What does your yes to Jesus entail? One of the the prayers, I absolutely love the prayers that Father has written for us throughout the entire journal. And and on Wednesday, Wednesday's prayer is just so, so beautiful, talking about how we want to be people who love the poor, that we can see the face in those that we're serving. Very Franciscan, right? And the final line of that prayer this second week of Advent on the Wednesday Give me a heart burning with love for your little ones. Maybe our path to holiness is loving and serving others in that very specific way, like some of the saints that he tells us about. Maybe our our path to holiness is to to work for healing throughout the course of, of the world, maybe in our own families, in our own homes, to recognize that we are loved and that holy saints can show us examples of God's love in their life and alert us to the ways that God is loving us in our lives. This week, I would encourage you as you're walking through Prepare Your Heart, again, a fantastic journal. Go grab a copy of it as soon as you can so you have it as we're walking through in this special series here on Ave Explores. I would really encourage you to spend some time with those prayers that Father has written. After your journaling, just take a minute. You can kind of look through the through line of of the different things that have come up in your own head. And then really sit with those prayers and let them wash over you and ask the Lord in a very intentional way to let those words take root in your heart in a new way. I think you'd, you'd really find some great value in that. We'd love it if you give the show a rating, a review, give it a follow so you don't miss any of our episodes. We'd be very grateful if you'd send it to a, a friend, post it on social media, tell people that this is part of how you're walking through the Advent season. We're always so grateful when folks share the show because that's how it gets into the ears of more people. That's how it really changes lives. We're really proud of this season. We've got some more wonderful stuff coming to you because we've walked through this entire book. Next week, we'll be joined by Jackie and Bobby Angel. Bobby is the author of the brand new Gaming and the Heroic Life, an incredible book that you should definitely put in some Christmas stockings this year. Jackie and Bobby will be joining us to talk about St. Joseph and the way of St. Joseph in the season of Advent. So make sure you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss our new episodes. Know that we're praying for you and we're journeying with you as we prepare our hearts this Advent. Advent.